Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Hello and welcome to the second series of Irish GenPod. My name is Paul Gorry and during the series I'm chatting with people who are involved in various ways in Irish genealogy. Today I'm at the representative church body library in Churchtown in Dublin to have a chat with Susan Hood, the librarian and archivist here. It's great to see you again Susan and thank you for agreeing to be a guest on Irish GenPod. It's great to have you here, Paul, and see you in person, eyeball to eyeball. After all this time. <laughs> After all this time. And of course, we have been open. We got back up and running in September 2021. Um, and we've kind of, I think like a lot of repositories, had a gradual mm-hmm. phased opening back to mm-hmm. trying to get back, back to normal. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I first met you when you were a student uh, you were on summer. Uh, you were you were working for the GEO, the genealogical <laughs> office, Mr. Begley, as Donald I still Begley. fondly remember him, yes. the Chief Herald yeah. of Ireland, and uh, in the eighties. So he and his assistant, um, um, Fergus Fergus Gillespie, gave me a super student placement opportunity, hmm. and I worked initially for one summer as yeah. a student of history in Trinity. And then that went on, not only to three summers, but uh, was working through the various genealogical research files and heraldic application files. You did three summers in the geo? I did, yeah. Gosh, I didn't realise that. I did. And that, uh, I suppose, evolved. Then I was doing a master's in archive studies and the chosen subject was the archives of this pretty unique office that had mm-hmm. this amazing transition mm. from being an organ of the British establishment to being a department within the National Archives mm-hmm. or National yeah. Library. Yeah. So I, that turned into a book then. So yes, um, indeed. Uh, uh, in the end. But Royal we, I fondly remember meeting you in the basement of yes. the Geo. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great meeting place. <laughs> uh, Royal Roots Republican uh, Inheritance was the name of your, of your book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just looking at my copy the other day and uh, you wrote a nice, uh, you know, when you signed it. And um, one thing you said was, you are the first genealogist I ever met. So there you are. That's me. And you've met plenty of them since. That is true. That is absolutely, <laughs> I'd, I'd forgotten that just momentarily, <laughs> but it really is true. Yeah. 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 And you kindled my whole interest in 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 history i think in general as oh, a result of uh, that's nice to know of all our chats <laughs> and and all the research that you were doing well as somebody who started his career as a freelance researcher for for the genealogical office um i i really think that it's wonderful that somebody has written an account of the the geo's history and its transition so thank you for that very good. Thank you. Susan, I think we talked about this uh, before. Um, I was just looking at the uh, opening hours on the website and I was a bit confused 
because there wasn't any mention of, you know, I was used to uh, the RCB library being closed for only 45 minutes at lunchtime. Um, so it sort of gives the impression that uh, it's open all day. But I, I, I know now that it's, op it's open, it, it's staggered. It's not open all day, every day. I suppose the thing we'd like to communicate positively, you know, the library um, is the principal reference source for for information about the church. We have, we have a lot of different remits. And as I mentioned at the outset, we are the campus library for the students who are training for ministry. So we're serving clergy, bishops, students, um, many, many types of researchers uh, and our colleagues in the headquarters of the RB. Uh, and particularly through the COVID period, when we couldn't have people in, the learning was that by uh, devising a booking system whereby people can pre-book a slot or slots as they need, um, it makes for a more efficient running of the of the operation here, particularly where we have such a small staff. Mm, At the moment, we course. are down to three people. Uh, and that would be low, I think, in comparison to many of the national repositories and others so it's to communicate to people we've a big remit here and we are open to the public and we do obviously want to share and make this material available but in the aftermath of covid and i suppose coming out of that we this booking system for the foreseeable future is in place to allow people in advance to pick a slot pick a day or days that they want to be here um and um their morning and afternoon slots um, and you, you, the simple way is to go onto the Church of Ireland website, the RCB library website, where all of our catalogues are available, all of our lists are searchable, pick what you want to see and book accordingly. And I think it's fair if people are in difficulties or they want to do, you know, the academics who, who might want to be here for a prolonged period. You know, we do invite people to email us and contact us with uh, uh, with any mm -hmm. specific needs. It's just I, I saw that um, the, between the morning and afternoon slots is 90 minutes. Um, if somebody is coming to Dublin to do research, mm -hmm. um, every minute counts. And, um, you know, a 90 minutes in the middle of the day, if you were booking for morning and afternoon, if that was possible, um, you, you have to basically twiddle your thumbs for, for 90 minutes. We, we are pretty flexible. I think as visitors will acknowledge, we are pretty flexible. And I think if somebody turns up and they're working away, we, you know, it's we don't throw them out at okay. half past 12. Yeah. That's good to know. <laughs> and uh, in fairness, uh, you know, we have to allow people to have their lunch. We've had cleaning staff in all those extra COVID mm -hmm. um, protocols that were in mm -hmm. place are gradually easing back. But uh, I'd just be asking people, I suppose, to be mindful of all the different roles mm -hmm. that we are coming out like our counterparts and every other mm -hmm. library, a pretty a pretty difficult time. <laughs> well, you know, I, I as you know, I, I live in... West Wicklow, um, I depend on the buses, which don't go too often. And getting to Dublin and, and you know, less than 40 miles from the GPO, mm. uh, getting to Dublin um, is a difficulty. And then trying to arrange where each of the, and I'm not talking about the RCB, I'm talking about the, 
the various Dublin record repositories, they've imposed all sorts of slight restrictions that have a huge impact on people who are living outside of Dublin or who are visitors to the to the country or whatever mm. um, that make it extremely difficult to be able to utilize your time on, mm. on a Dublin visit. Um, so <laughs> I'm not just talking about the RCB library. I'm, I'm just talking about collectively they've they've um, made it quite difficult in in the aftermath of COVID. Mm. Uh, and um, some of them, it sounds as if they're going to leave them as permanent, which is anyway. Well, um, look, I can't speak for any others. I would just say that with a staff of three, uh, it has made it much easier for us to know what's coming in on a day to day basis. And I think you'll find people go online, have a look at the booking system and how interactive it is with our lists. There's a good heads up on um, you know, you can pick your slot in advance, mm-hmm. you can book your flight. And then, as I say, you can always email us and follow it up with any specific concerns. OK, well, listen, you're a good sport. <laughs> I did. I did say to you in advance that I wanted to tackle these tricky questions and, and you, you said no problem. So thank you very much. Should have gone to Specsavers. That's what the ads tell you. But for some people in India, it's not that simple. Imagine having no eye tests or glasses. You couldn't work, so you could lose your home. I'm Lisa from Specsavers, and I'm proud to help the Hope Foundation provide eye care in Kolkata. Specsavers arranged for me and my colleagues to go there and do eye tests. To date, we've given out over 11,000 pairs of glasses. Find out how we're changing people's lives for the better at specsavers.ie. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. Um, well, maybe you might like to explain to the listeners about the representative church body library. The representative church body is the trustee that manages the Church of Ireland's property assets, everything that it uh, contains and owns. It's confusing for researchers and people not familiar with the <laughs> Church of Ireland. Um, what does the representative church body, what RCB, what is what does it what does it mean? So we effectively are the Church of Ireland reference library and archive. And the reason we are um, called the RCB library is that in 1932, ni- 90 years ago this year, hmm. uh, initially a collection of printed books, approximately 5000 books, and were donated by the library's benefactor, uh, Rosalind Stephen, to the RB, uh, uh, who, who, who took custody of them and responsibility of them on behalf of the church. And since that time, um, the library has just grown and grown, and particularly in the aftermath of the destruction of the public record office. Mm-hmm. Um, the RB itself uh, had uh, 
begun to take res- an interest in trying to identify and search out copies of records that had been lost in that disaster. Um, so when Rosamond makes her donation of this initial collection of books that incidentally began as a collection on a house in the Crumlin Road in Belfast huh. as part of a mission uh, and outreach that she was involved in to try and educate people who otherwise had no chance of an education or chance to borrow books from a library. And they moved uh, during the war and immediately afterwards, effectively during the troubled time, uh, 1917-18, when Belfast was becoming a very difficult place on the streets. She and the Guild of Witness that she worked for moved to Dublin uh, and the library initially operated from her home on Mount Street. Um, and then a deal was struck as she got older um, she became more concerned about the content and a deal was negotiated with the RCB and the collection came into its initial headquarters at 52 St. Stephen's Green St. Stephen's Green, yeah which is now, uh, when it was sold in the 60s it became part of the Office of Public Works building on, on the Green the RCB itself moved to Rath Mines but the library came here to relative leafy church down Rathgar mm-hmm. um, because we are on the campus of what is now the Theological Institute. Back in the 60s, it was the Divinity Hostel or the Divine Hotel <laughs> where the clergy, the future clergy of the Church of Ireland are and have been trained. So initially, the and indeed going back to 1932, the idea was the library was, you know, a place of reference where people could look up things about the church and its clergy and its laity and its uh, organisations. But it also takes on this really important uh, collecting archival role. Um, and I suppose if we fast forward then, there was no archivist per se until the 1980s. When my predecessor, Dr. Raymond Rufosi, became the church's fu- first full-time first really, activist. Um, what, wasn't there a lady before him though? She was a librarian. Yes, mm-hmm. there were two uh, librarians, but he was the first with responsibility for archivism mm-hmm. as well. And by that time, by between 1932 and the 1980s, the library had accumulated hundreds of manuscript collections. But also, and of great interest to the genealogists, will be that a deal was struck with the National Archives mm-hmm. or, or the Public Record Office, as it was, then, as it yeah. was, to that the that the library could become the official place of deposit for what are uh, effectively national archives, because they're the earliest mm-hmm. can be the earliest parish registers in existence, and because the Church of Ireland was the established church. They have national significance. And indeed, it's worth saying that church registers of baptism, marriage, burial and the vestry minutes and all the ancillary materials that make up a parish collection have very often much wider remit and interest than simply the Church of Ireland community. Mm -hmm. Because members of the Church of Ireland married other people of other faiths. Mm -hmm. Uh, People came into the uh, community uh, through marriage, 
the burial grounds of the church were used by people of all denominations. And I think you'd probably agree there's much more fluidity in movement between you know, mm-hmm. religions than maybe uh, the black and white assumptions would allow for. Mm-hmm. So it made sense, and this deal was struck, that rather than have the pre-disestablishment or pre-1870 um, registers in the custody of the state in one repository that everything could come here so when a parish was uh, closed uh, or closed mm-hmm. or, or or simply doing good housekeeping and um, that they could bring everything in so, so it was only in the 1980s that um, original registers started to be accumulated here. I don't think that's as cut and dry as that. I think, it, you know, when churches would have closed in the past, um, deposits would have been made with the RB headquarters. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and indeed, then there were registered, there are nine collections of parish registers that are not here, that were in the PRO and survived <laughs> Mm-hmm. the bombing in, in 1922 but that's another story um but it it kind of formalized it and i mean there probably would have been a dozen or so collections in the 1980s today as we've just highlighted in our recent archive of the month slot we've 1218 collections mm. of parish records and that's collections, that's not individual registers. Mm-hmm. But if anybody's interested, there's a very nice presentation on the most recent acquisition, which is a Hasra in County Galway. And it consists of the usual things you'd expect, the registers of baptism, marriage, burial, but also vestry minutes and preacher's books and even drawings and plans of the church and even a random um, volume containing timber distributed to tenants on what we think was the Clonbrock estate in the 1830s. Mm. So you just never know what you're going to find yeah. in the parish collection. The reason for that was that the Dillons, Lords Clonbrock, were very prominent members of the church and alongside their, uh, the church records, there are these other random things have, have, um, have been found. And so the point I think we're, we're, we're making is these records, they're of national, international significance. They have much bigger interest remit than simply members of the Church of Ireland. And it makes sense that rather than having them in two or three places, that they're all brought under, one, one, yeah. mm-hmm. under the one roof. Um, does the um, RCB library concern itself only with registers from the Republic or for the entire country? Well, that has been the rule because the church, like all the faith communities, operates in two jurisdictions. Uh, There's one church, but two jurisdictions. And any pre-1870 registers are technically uh, belong to the the government of Northern Mm -hmm. Ireland, Mm -hmm. uh, represented by the Public Records Office of Northern Ireland. However, for more recent parishes, um, we we have started to collect um, post-1870 records. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there is a very good project underway, led by PRONI, to digitise um, um, registers that remain in the churches or parishes um, that they were uh, created in. 
and those images are being made available in in their reading room and that's a gradual and it's a project that will take some time and I suppose ultimately the originals remain in the parishes mm -hmm. ultimately mm -hmm. I think it would make sense for all church records to come in under the one roof and maybe you know who knows with the changing political times that may happen but but the rules are yeah any pre-1870 registers would should be. either be in the parish as concerned or or in prony right and uh, of course apart from uh, parish registers and vestry minute books uh, you also have the um, a very good collection of uh, records of church of ireland clergy Yes, that's right. I mean, I suppose you could say the library really holds, has custody of materials that relate to the to the people, the organisations, the buildings and properties of the church from medieval times in some cases. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've wonderful medieval archives here from both the Dublin cathedrals and some of the di historical dioceses. And the church was very lucky that in and around, even before the destruction of the four courts in 1932, there were people like Canon James B. Leslie, mm -hmm. uh, Henry Swansea, Swansea. Renison, uh, Raynal, other kind of names that would be so familiar mm -hmm. to genealogists who were um, re literally rescuing the records. And many of them were very, the, the, many of these guys became members of the records committee of the church that was formed immediately after the destruction of the four courts to try and make good the losses that had occurred. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, many of the church's records were in the public record. Yes. Um, but one of the areas that Leslie and Swansea and others had been working on even before 1922 was to collect the family data of clergy families mm -hmm. and so they went regularly to uh, both the state paper office and uh, public record office and other places family uh, vaults and whatever and 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 literally gathered a um, vast amount of mm. information not but, only about the careers of the clergy but their biographies who they were who they married who their children were mm. where they served mm -hmm. all of that and these have, uh, I mean, originally in manuscript form, many of them, in fact, all of them, apart from Cork, Clone and Ross, have been published. Uh, you mentioned about the RCB library being in Stephen's Green. And um, you've told us about the history of it, really. But you came here as assistant, was it, to Ray Rafosse? That's right. Mm -hmm. I and came on a six month placement really in 1997 oh. and then I mean the archive remit was just building and building and building so uh, they they fortunately they, they were able to make a mm -hmm. uh, turn it into a permanent uh, role yeah mm -hmm. and you're librarian and archivist is, is that That's your role the f yes yes mm -hmm. and we currently have um, an assistant, full-time permanent assistant librarian oh. who looks after the uh, uh, students and liaison with the institute and 
the the kind of book and printed side, printed collection side of things. Uh, and we have a uh, an assistant archivist on a temporary contract, um, but we are hoping that is going to change in the near future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, well, it is amazing that with such a small staff, you're you're able to provide uh, services for all. People. I mean, genealogists, I think, come in here and family historians, and they think they're. They're the only people, and uh, it's it's for them, but it's not for them. It's for the for the theological college, really, isn't it? Well, and it's all Primarily. the other categories. Yes, the categories of records, maybe that we haven't talked about, are things like architectural drawings, um, collections of photographs, um, all of the diocesan, very bulky diocesan collections of the historic, you know, twenty seven dioceses that there were. Mm-hmm. Now they've been condensed and amalgamated. There are just 11 uh, today. Uh, the cathedral archives. Um, it, 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 the, and then the records of the administration itself. And that's a very complex one because it consists not only of the representative body, but also the general synod, which is like the parliament of the mm, church, mm-hmm. and all of the committees that, as you can imagine, the church has a lot of committees <laughs> and subcommittees, and they all produce records, and they've all got to be catalogued and stored, and you know, mm. a lot of queries arising. So there is, people mightn't realise that, um, and why would they? Um, but they are important functions as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I won't even go into, for example, the database of stained glass, which is available online, wow. um, and our responsibilities then for church plate, uh, the silver, mm-hmm. um, um, the chalice and the pattern and the flagon being part of the worship mm-hmm. of church uh, and uh, um uh, very important components of the fabric of each parish, along with records and vestments and Bibles and all Gosh, yeah. <laughs> plenty to to contend with there. Um, oh gosh, I don't know when it was. Maybe fifteen or twenty years ago, the RCB Library started to publish a series of parish register transcripts yeah. and also the vestry record transcripts. Um. How did that come about? That's a good question. I mean, it was in the, I suppose, the golden age when things were printed and printing was, uh, you know, uh, 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 um, a fundable um, form of outreach. We haven't done so much of it recently, but we've used the mechanism of our online platform called Archive of the Month Mm -hmm. um, to make things available digitally. Um, where you can share to a much wider audience mm-hmm. at a much lower cost because you don't have to print yeah. paper. And people can then interrogate it and interpret it, you know, more flexibly, I think. So we have continued that and that we've made a number, I mean, really significant numbers of registers and records available digitally or with mm-hmm. with indexed transcripts yes the transcripts online as well yeah um and there is another then we are we have undertaken with national support and we are looking forward to a visit by the minister for tourism uh, uh catherine martin td here quite soon to follow up funding 
that has been given to the the library to digitize um, more of more the registers. Of uh, just getting back to the to the other to the ones that the in book form. That was was that Ray Rafosi's uh, initiative. Yeah, that would go back to the eighties. Yeah, mm. and then a very solid relationship with the Four Courts Press. Oh yeah, um, mm. which continues to publish um, in its uh, text and text and calendar series, specific, uh, really important um, uh, manuscripts. Mm. And Ray also uh, published before that. He published uh, a number of articles in the Irish Genealogist, um, the organ of the Irish Genealogical Research Society. Um, I, I think Finglas Parish and um, Osri marriage licenses and mm. things like that. So, yeah. I um, suppose the comparator there would be, yeah, all of that data is in print and we've you know, I mean, in Ray's time and subsequently, we've tried to keep that going, but on the wider platform of the of the World Wide Web. So, mm -hmm. a lot of you know things in published form would similar collections. Are, it's worth perusing the archive of the month mm -hmm. uh, uh, platform. Well, times have changed anyway. Yeah. You know, from printed book to to online. Yeah. Um. And then some years ago, I think you were just about to mention that some years ago, the RCB's collections for Dublin City and County Carlow were added to, they were digitised. And, and Kerry. And Kerry, and as, Kerry well. as well. And Kerry as oh, well. Gosh. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking that they were just transcripts from, from mm, no. No, there as mm. well. So that they are all available. Uh, not all. Yeah. There are mm. gaps, but um, we're working very hard to fill the gaps in conjunction with the department that oversee they're, it. But... They're on ch the church records database on irishgenealogy.ie. That's, right. yeah. That's right. And the long-term plan is that all of the other registers... Uh, uh, from those areas? From other counties. All right will end up uh, being available there too. So these are registers that are held in the RCB library? Yes. Yeah, because Carlo, for instance, uh, the ones that are in local custody until they come into the RCB That's library, you don't have them available. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. So what you were talking about, Catherine Martin, you're saying that um, there will be more funding for, for that well, that the project. room that we're sitting in now, which contains our great big book scanner, the mm -hmm. book to net yes. lizard, that is a huge thing, huge thing, <laughs> with a great, with all state of the art and book cradle, and to date, um, some seven hundred volumes have been digitized here uh -huh. and are now available in that format. The number one remit of the project is to provide preservation copies of these things, should any mm -hmm. happen to the originals ultimately aimed at reducing the wear and tear on the originals but the 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 the, the absolute optimum um, goal of the project is to provide indexes mm -hmm. uh, at least to the names and and, and timelines and that will come i mean it, i know for the general public they're probably wondering well when on earth will it come but yes. <laughs> we're 700 volumes <laughs> down the down the track and um uh, 
it is the funding provided by the minister and her predecessor that allowed the, 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 the scanner to be purchased and for the expertise to be brought in to, to mm -hmm. digitise. So can you even tell us what dioceses or dioceses um, what the, the 700 volumes are from? Um, it, uh, it, it, it encompasses 12 counties. Oh, right. Okay. So they are all of the border counties have been done and many of the Atlantic Western Seaboard. And we ha the church has funded itself, has funded our current uh, um, assistant archivist is, is here funded by the church whose um, sole remit is to paginate and prepare the remaining registers mm. for the remaining counties pending um, further funding being available to to capture them uh, uh, capture the images of them so it is a project that is well underway it, you know we make great progress but it does depend on uh, funding and resources fine yeah well, I think we've used up all our time. It was a great <laughs> chat. Thank you very much, Susan. And uh, it's lovely to see you again after such a long time. And um, there you go. I'll have to pay a visit here to actually do some research very well, soon. You'll be very welcome, Paul. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks very much, Susan. Thank you. I'd like to thank Senior Times for adding Irish Gen Pod to their collection of podcasts. Also, many thanks to my series producer, Connor O'Hagan, and to my audio supervisor today, John Hughes. Do tune in again.